Welcome back. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, I thank you, and I praise you that you are merciful. I praise you that you are patient. I praise you that you are kind. I thank you, Lord, that you go beyond anything that we can imagine regarding your goodness and your love. Lord, help us to enter into this new year with a great sense of hope, great sense of confidence in you, not in ourselves, but in you. Even if, Lord, our growth and confidence in uh, in you comes from stripping away the confidence we have in ourselves. Thank you, Lord. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I've got so much to share. I cannot believe how many things have been kind of connecting the dots in my life uh, around this New Year's resolution. Not so much what I've resolved to do, but what I've discerned God is resolved to do in my life. And I think the, uh, the big... Um, the big one that is sort of guiding the rest is reading The Ascent of Mount Carmel. And I'll get into that today because the number and quality and depth of the insights that are found in just the first couple of pages are just astonishing. And it's like, wow, St. John of the Cross is incredible. So I'm excited to share some of those with you. But before we do that, I've got several other quick stories. The first is this this is your chance. I'm looking at this last container of epiphany water I have from last year. Epiphany water is holy water. You know, if you have a little holy water font in your home, and if you don't, I encourage you to get one, uh, and have holy water around your home. Well, on January the 6th, which is the traditional feast of epiphany, there is on that day and that day alone— the opportunity to receive Epiphany Holy Water. Epiphany Holy Water is a a traditional or customary way of blessing holy water that involves a triple exorcism of the water and a, a special prayer blessing over the water. And so last year we got a supply and we made it. We made it to the to the very end with our supply of Epiphany Water. But we had to be really, um, I don't know if the word stingy, but um, we couldn't be very generous with how we used the Epiphany water, blessing uh, the rooms and and so many other things that we would have loved to have done. And then we did give some away, but I'd love to have given more away. So this year I'm getting like about five times the amount that I got last year, a couple of gallons of water. <laughs> so if any of you do not have access to a traditional Latin Mass parish, a fraternity of St. Peter, that would be the St. Saint, uh, Saint Joseph's in Tacoma or North American Martyrs in Edmonds. Those are two parishes that I, 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 I don't want to say I know, but I would be shocked if they didn't have the blessing of Epiphany water at those two parishes if you're on the west side, if you're in the Archdiocese of Spokane. I'm sorry, Spokane, of Seattle. Uh here in the Spokane Diocese, you're you're close enough to St. Joan of Arc in Post Falls. You just bring your gallon of water. You have to have at least a gallon. A gallon. Just go get a gallon of water from the store. Don't even open it. Spring water. And then just write your name on it and leave it at the back table 
at the back of St. Joan of Arc Parish. But you got to do it by tomorrow or you're going to miss out. So this is your chance. If you're in the Spokane area, get that gallon of water with your name on it to St. Joan of Arc so it can be blessed on, uh, on Epiphany. And then you'll be able to use that water throughout the course of the year. You know, this I bring this up in part because you say, nah, there's not a lot at stake in that. I'm fine with regular holy water. If I can get access to some of yours, Tom, or to someone else who has some, yeah, okay, I, I'll go for that. But there, let's just say that for many of you listening, when you hear this, it's probably like, you know, not that much at stake in it, so I don't really need to take that serious account of it. I, I, I don't have to, you know, change my day and, and make uh, vigorous sacrifices and extend myself um, all of that sort of stuff um, in order to realize the good. When I say realize the good, I mean be able to get some of this uh, epiphany water for yourself. And, and you know what? That's okay. right? There, there's a good at stake in the moment, and our call uh, as we discern and obey in our life of faith is to recognize the good that's at stake in the moment and the right means of realizing it. And, and there'll be a times, sometimes, where, guess what? The, that good you're just not going to be able to realize. It won't be able to become real. You won't be part of making that real or it won't be real in your regard. Well, not that much of a loss, right, for, 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 for a lot of you. But let's stop and ask ourselves the question, and, and I heard, I, I'm going to put it in the form of a question to you, because I heard a priest giving a homily, and he just said it in passing. Just said it in passing. It was a talk on the Mass, and why it's important to go to Mass. And it was a really good talk, by the way. But it, uh, in it, he said something about bringing your intention to the Mass. And I just, like, my mouth dropped. My jaw dropped open, right? It was like, wow, yeah, wow. The way you said it was so very, so clear. So very clear. And here's, I'll put it in the form of a question to you, and then I'll answer it. And the question is, what's the most important day of your life? What's the most important day of your life? And, uh, you know, we, when we think about that, um, you know, th- there's a lot of days that you'd probably put out there, oh, the day of my birth. That would probably be a really big one. That's a really important day in my life, the day I was born, uh, or the day I was conceived, right? Uh, or you could say, well, the day I was baptized, that was the day I became a child of God. How about the day I received Holy Communion? Or the day I got married? Or people say, oh, the days of, of my kids' births, most important day of my life. Well, what he said in passing, and you can say, you can realize that it's, it's none of these days, right? What he said was, the most important day of your life is the day you die. The most important day of your life is the day you die. And... It obviously, if you focus on the word important, you can tease that out and say, the day in your life where there is the most at stake, the day in the in your life where there is the most at stake is, in fact, the day you die. Because on that day you die, you go through the door of death and you meet Christ the Lord, the Lord who is a judge. Whom he will judge the life that we've lived. And the outcome of that judgment is heaven or hell. And heaven through purgatory, but heaven or hell. 
And um, when you stop and say, when we take action in life, like you might miss out on, on um, epiphany water, not a big deal, not a lot at stake. But if you miss out on the most important day of your life, getting that wrongly, not, not having that in mind, not preparing for that, everything's at stake. And it was like, and he did it, and he was doing it in terms of um, when you're at Mass, and it's a time for the presentation of the gifts. The gifts are coming up to the altar, and it's your chance to put your own self into the offering, that the bread and wine represent you, and it's your offering put into the hands of the priest, in whom Christ the priest is at work, offering the perfect sacrifice to the Father. So we get to join in on that, and so... He was saying, make your intention, offer your intention at that point. He says, you, you, maybe you want to pray for the intention that you're praying for at that Mass is for a happy and prepared death, because that's the most important day of your life. So pray for that at Mass. Pray that you'll have a happy and prepared death. And I was just like, whoa, wow, yeah. It's so interesting because I think that a lot of how I have tended to approach life is from the standpoint of the present moment like moving towards the future and sort of preparing for the future preparing you know okay let me let me uh, let me let me uh, do this even like the god's resolutions for um, for 2022 have been done mostly in the light of the idea that well at the end of 2022 I want to look back and say I lived the life that god held in his safekeeping but this sort of blew that up and, and said yeah, but even that resolution that God has for your 2022 is done in the light of the bigger picture, the biggest picture of all when it comes to what's at stake in living well now today. And that is, well, today, any day, every day, I want to be prepared for the day that is the most important day in my life. I was thinking about this when I was like looking at a clock on Sunday morning and I had started the, the circle. I make a circuit in the morning to wake everybody up saying, okay, you have so much time before we're leaving for Mass. And uh, again, we have two cars that head out to Mass on Sunday mornings, typically. We have the, the car that leaves and gets to St. Joan of Arc a half an hour early. Uh, on those wonderful Sundays when we actually are at St. Joan of Arc, um, we get there half an hour early because then you can get in line for confession before Mass. And then the second car tends to roll up 10 minutes before Mass-ish. Uh, this was a little closer to the beginning of Mass. <laughs> uh, they got a little bit later start uh, on Sunday. But be that as it may... Um, when I made the first circuit, I noticed the clock, and then when I came back around, the clock had moved forward. And it just I just connected that that moving forward of the clock with the idea of a timer and time running down. This was time moving forward. You only have so much time left. Like you all can't see this, but I, I'm recording this program using Adobe Audition. And I can see the sound wave on a timeline. 
and the time frame is moving forward and it, and it and it goes forward along this time frame along what we call the solo file it's along the file that has the different commercials or the different um, sponsor mentions in them and so I can see just looking at this right now that I have about two and a half minutes before the music is going to come on announcing the next um, the next um, sponsor mention ready or not it's coming ready or not here it goes and it's one of those things where um you know you take a look at this and it's like wow lord i i i no matter what i do this this uh timekeeper is the solo file is moving forward recording my voice and it's looking at time like that it's like wow okay the time is is running out the the time in which i can fulfill god's plan the time in which i can uh, honor god's will the, the time in which i can grow in holiness to become the saint that god wants that i can be useful to him in the mission of being salt, light, and leaven in this world, the mission of proclaiming Jesus Christ, the, the call to lead and provide and protect my family. Time is running out. Time is running down. Time is running short. There is a lot at stake. And so when I think about this, it, um, it was one of those, like, uh, poignant moments, or just a reminder that living well now, today, is done with a heightened degree of awareness regarding the idea that I want to spend my time doing good. I want to spend my time doing God's will. I want to spend my time doing fruitful things that not just hanging around and that I have a higher likelihood of doing that when I have a sense of the, the scarce resource, which is time, the precious gift, which is time, the, um, the, the grace that the Lord gives us of the present moment, and that I want to live the present moment well. So I, I give you that as a, a precursor to... Um, what I'm going to share after the break. Um, when the break ends, I'm going to, um, I have one other, like, wow, God, you really love us so much. God, you're so merciful to me. Because it has to do with my being part of the early ride to confession and how the Lord really used the priest in a powerful way to speak a word of mercy and encouragement to me on Sound Insight. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So I mentioned it in another story. This is, it's a really beautiful story of God's mercy and how he can let us know that he's with us um, precisely at those times where what um, is becoming revealed to us is the fact that we do things that weaken our relationship with him. We do things that um, are saying to him that we, we don't want him to be in our lives, certainly not as Lord, certainly not honoring 
the good things that he intends for us, that he expresses through his law, through the commandments, through the, the moral teaching of the church. And, um, and so what I'm talking about is confession and how confession becomes a place of mercy, a place of encountering mercy. And a few things I want to share about, about sin. The first is this, is that, boy, the Ascent of Mount Carmel, this is the book that is part of what God is doing in, in my life this year. What does God resolve to do? Well, he pointed me to the Ascent of Mount Carmel. And the Ascent of Mount Carmel is all about helping souls who are headed towards union with God to understand the dark nights, the dark night of the senses and the dark night of the spirit. And um, giving signs and indications and understanding of, of what those dark nights are, are like and what it is these dark nights are purging. Because th- that's what the dark night is. It's, it's a dark night for our, um, for our spiritual lives because um, we are being purged. We're being purified. And the things we're being purified of are these attachments and so I'm going to dig more into that, but let me just say this, that I've only read a couple of pages. I've read it before, but I've, I've only read a couple of pages in my, um, in my meditation and reflection on this in, in the last, well, three days now. And it is so humbling. It is so revealing, so exposing um, of sin that I don't ordinarily reflect on, of the negative effects of sin that I'm not ordinarily thinking about. And I, I was cherry picking some of these things and sharing them with Carrie. And she's just like, okay, just stop. <laughs> because it's like so, um, like such a spotlight shining on our lives. I, uh, just, I'll give you just one for instance. Um, one of the, the sins that uh, is, rev- I, I, gosh, I don't know if it's actually a sin, uh, but St. John of the Cross talks about this idea that that those who um, those who have more knowledge about the spiritual life can at times think that 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 means that they have advanced further in the spiritual life when in fact they they haven't and that there's a a kind of sin that is blinding them to this equation in their minds between having knowledge and being holy. And boy, I just was stung. Just was humbled. Just really, honestly, just humbled when I read it. Um, Even just thinking about it now, just like, God, have mercy on me. Because there's a way in which, okay, I'm talking about God on the radio, and I'm talking about faith, and I have this degree, and I've been doing this for 30 years, and people look to me to help them in their relationship with God, or different parts of their lives connected to faith. And really those things have little connection to my own holiness. And and there's a way in which I forgot that. There's a way in which I took that for granted. And um and and really it just talk about a sincere need to repent in my own life of um, settling for less than, and really pursuing the holy God with vigor and pursuing a 
what we'll learn about this more as I as I'm sharing more about the ascent of Mount Carmel along the way. This stripping down to being completely transparent. He uh, he uses the term like denuding. This idea of being stripped to uh, stripping away anything that covers me before God. And so often we are covering ourselves through our our, our lives, our, our decisions that are covering ourselves over from really being exposed to the Holy God. So I, I just I share that with you just to say it it was it was one of those things that drove me to say I I really desire to go to confession to start my year off right. And so on Sunday, I was in the early car to, to go to Mass, get there at 10 for the 10.30 Mass, get in line to go to confession. And I did, and a couple of my kids were with me. And we uh, got to, towards the front of the line, and uh, there were two priests hearing confession. And one of them, I know from my experience, has this real gift. The Lord just uses him. Uh, I want to call um, I want to call it words of knowledge, um, where the Lord gifts him with the sensitivity to draw out from among the many things that are confessed, the thing that needs to be addressed, and will end up using or referencing um, in his counsel things that are compelling things that are um, pertinent, things that, that are incredibly meaningful for the penitent. I've known this because I, I've gone to him a number of times, and, um, and, but I wasn't the next one in line. Uh, my son, John Mark, was, and, and um, my daughter had come out of the confessional, or no, someone had come out of the confessional. My daughter was in the other one, and um, I said, okay, John Mark. Oh, John Mark, you get this priest. And he's like, well, I'm not ready yet. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll go in then. And so I went into him and made my confession. And sure enough, he, he did two things in this particular confession that were very powerful, very powerful. Um, so I will go through and identify you know, I, I use the Ten Commandments, right? You've heard me share this before. It's, it's a very helpful way of doing an examination of conscience and just use each of the commandments as a point of reflection for those places in our lives where we fall short and settle for less in our relationship with God, where we betray Him, where we sin. And so I was going through the, the sins, and um, he ended up referencing some counsel given by St. Padre Pio. And I smiled, I smiled in the confessional because I had sensed Padre Pio being a part of my 2022. I'd sensed it in, in several ways. One was that my daughter, uh, Mary Grace, asked for a recommendation about what picture of a saint to get for my son, John Mark, and immediately popped in my mind was St. Padre Pio. And um, she mentioned when uh, on Christmas when she gave it to him and he opened it, how she still had the third-class relic of St. Padre Pio that I had given to her. She had taken it on the world race, and I had given it to her, and how 
um, she had a, a sense of devotion and connection to him. And just in, in more recent months, he had kind of popped up now and again in my own prayer, in my praying of the rosary. And so um, I had this sense of the, the nearness of St. Padre Pio, and then all of a sudden uh, there was this turn to Padre Pio, and here's some wisdom for you that he gave to his spiritual children. And it just was like, wow, God, thank you. And Padre Pio, thank you for um, not abandoning me, not abandoning me. Well, this led me to the second thing, and that was, he said, you know, there's a book I'm going to encourage you to get and to read. Uh, And you don't have to read it all at once, just read little chunks of it, but it's a book that will help you with this idea of trustful abandonment. And I started to smile again, and it was Trustful Abandonment to Divine Providence. And the reason I had smiled was that two days before, Carrie and I were taking prayer time together early in the morning, and she was reading that book, and she started to read from it to me, and she said, your listeners need to hear this. This is a really powerful message, and I think it's so important they hear this message right now. And it was a book that was given to us a couple years ago. I was familiar with it from 30 years ago, and um, it bubbled back up again as a book to that Carrie was reading, and now all of a sudden it got mentioned in confession. Never been mentioned to me before in confession, and then here it was back in front of me again. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're giving me in the midst of confession, right in the midst of confession, as you're forgiving my sins, you're also giving me these beautiful senses that you know my situation, you know me, and that you you have designed 2022, a particular 2022 with my name on it, and that you intend for me to live, and that um, you will, in fact, uh, uh, be with me. You'll be with me in, in, in a beautiful way of, of divine providence. And so I'm going to read that text that Kerry said, Oh, your listeners need to hear this. This this will be a great encouragement to them, and so well, I hope it is. So let me let me read that text for, to you right now. So as I said, the book is called "Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence: The Secret of Peace and Happiness," and one of the authors is Saint Claude de la Colombière. Uh, he and another Jesuit um, wrote this book um, in the. Um, uh, when did it originally written? Um, in the seventeenth, in the sixteenth, seventeenth century, um, and in it, their emphasis is on trusting God, and and not just trusting God, but entrusting oneself to God. And uh, I'm going to come back around to this because this is really about um, that that theme of your most important day of your life is the day you die. Because that's the day when you're entrusting yourself to God most fully and completely. So, but let, in here, and this was the part that um, Kerry drew my attention to, was about public calamities. Public calamities. And when you think about what's been unfolding in the last year and a half, these public calamities are, uh, is really what in so many ways is unfolding, and it's so disturbing and unsettling in many ways. But 
Let me just, let me read from the book. We ought to conform to God's will in all public calamities, such as war, famine, and pestilence, and reverence and adore his judgments with deep humility in the firm belief that however severe they may seem, the God of infinite goodness would not send such disasters unless some great good were to result from them. Consider how many souls may be saved through tribulation, which would otherwise be lost. How many persons through affliction are converted to God and die with sincere repentance for their sins. What may appear a scourge and punishment is often a sign of great grace and mercy. Think about that. Carrie and I just started to reflect and talk a bit more about the way in which our move over here as a result of some personal calamities, some personal challenges we were facing, raising our kids in faith, and the way in which they were being slaughtered um, by the world uh, uh, in, the, in the toxic reality of the Puget Sound area. I um, mean, it's still conti- it's continued and gotten worse to today, sadly. And sadly, the churches are just doing such a pitiful job of providing true hedges of defense to lead, provide, and protect teenagers from um, losing their faith. Um, and so um, moving here and watching uh, COVID unfold has been a, an incredible blessing to my family in, in a certain way, in that if it wasn't for those calamities that drove us over here and the calamities associated with COVID, that we, um, we put into question um, the place that, for instance, sports had in our kids' lives and how much time and energy and attention and effort we put on sports, as, as many goods as can come from them. And instead, the way that we had a chance to refocus and, and really were able to say, first things first, how are our kids growing in their faith? How are our kids being nurtured in faith? How are our kids having friends around them that have um, a similar faith and families that are as intentional as we are, or more intentional than we are even, about fostering a Catholic and Christian culture in their homes. And that has been, that's been a great blessing. And those blessings would not have come to our lives had the peace and ease and comfort um, of the, the good things that my family was experiencing where we were living on the west side, uh, in the Puget Sound area, if those things had just continued per, as per normal. But thanks be to God for the trials. Thanks be to God for the tribulations. Thanks be to God for the sufferings. Thank you, Lord, for the humiliations, the sufferings, the conflicts, the, the painful dangers that we faced in, internally, relationally. For you were faithful. And it took, it took daily, intense, trustful surrender to divine providence. And it continues to today. Um, when we come back, I want to pick up on this theme. I want to continue to share. There's more to say from this book, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. Back in a minute. 
Welcome back to Sound Insight. I share this text with you trustful from Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, The Secret to Peace and Happiness. And you can see the theme that's here, that no matter what's happening, trust that the Lord is at work. That if he permits these things that are calamities to happen in our own world, and, and those things are encroaching upon our own peaceful um, experience of life, that all of a sudden life has trials and difficulties that we didn't plan on, didn't count on, didn't expect, and in some ways weren't ready for, that praise and thank God for that because it strips away a sense of self-reliance. It strips away a sense of independence from God uh, as a false reality. It strips away a sense of I can find uh, a full and satisfactory, satisfying life just with the things that are here on earth. Uh, I've shared a number of times in the last couple of years about how God's love calls us to repentance and to embrace Christ as our ideal, as the most important good that we could pursue the, the glory of God in our own sanctification and the fulfillment of our God-given mission, that he loves us and, and he is calling for the church to be a voice that will, in charity, be a, uh, a trumpet sound, a wake-up call. But if we don't, if we don't respond to raise up that call out of charity, then God in his mercy permits a calamity charity or calamity. And it feels like it takes a calamity to wake up so many of us from the the challenges that that the challenge of, of really letting God be God and putting God first. So um, let me continue on with this trustful surrender to divine providence. It continues as far as far as we are personally concerned, let us meditate well on this truth of our faith that the very hairs of our head are numbered, and not one of them will fall except by the will of God. In other words, we cannot suffer the least harm unless he wills and orders it. Relying on this truth, we can easily understand that we have nothing more or less to fear in times of public calamity than at any other time. God can just as easily protect us in the midst of general ruin and despair as he can deliver us from evil while all around is peace and content. The only thing we need to be concerned about is to gain his favor. And this is the inevitable effect of conforming our will to his. Let us then hasten to accept from his hand all that he sends us, and as a result of our trustful surrender, he will either cause us to gain the greatest advantages from our misfortunes, or else spare us them altogether. I'll read that last sentence again. Accept from his hands all that he sends us, and as a result of our trustful surrender, he will either cause us to gain the greatest advantages from our misfortunes or else spare us them altogether. So 
it's a powerful message, and I thank the Lord. Uh, I'm going to be going through this book now. It's I don't know. The Lord's giving me <laughs> uh, some reading assignments here. Uh, time to invest in, and to give over to um, deeper prayer and reflection uh, this year. Um, and and I, I want to say I'm grateful for it. Uh, it's thank you, Lord, for what you are resolved to do in my life. Um, and my hope and prayer is that that's something that you're also thinking about for yourselves, right? Have you done that? Have you taken the time to um, ask the Lord, Lord, what are you resolved to do uh, in uh, in my life in this year? Um, and so think about that, pray about that, right? So Lord, what are you what are you resolved to do in my life? So um, there's one other thing I'd encourage you to do. Um, and that is, uh, you can go to a page where it's, it's called the Saint Generator. I'm typing it in right now. Um, and it's saintsnamegenerator.com. Saints, with, so there's an S at the end, saintsnamegenerator.com. And um, when you click on it, um, it just says, find a saint for me. And um, when you do click on find a saint for me, um, it's a have a saint chosen for you at random. Um, and so we were at a New Year's Eve party um, with some other Catholic friends that moved over here. Um, and we gathered together with some friends that were local and some other friends that were <laughs> that have moved over here in the, in the last, uh, well, some, one of them in the last month and others in the last couple of years like we had. And uh, we prayed a rosary um, for the year. And then they did the um, pass around the saint's name generator. And so we did it. And, um, and so I clicked on it. And the saint that I got was St. George. Um, and I just thought that was really cool that I got St. George. Um, I say that because St. George was, you know, if you think of who is St. George, what do you think of immediately, right? You think of the dragon. It's, of course, the dragon. And so uh, St. George was a, um, uh, a Roman soldier um, under the Emperor Diocletian, who uh, you may have heard, you may have heard that name. He was someone who persecuted the Christians severely. And... Um, and obviously, Saint George in this uh, in this Roman uh, army um, was going to have to renounce his um, Christian faith, but he refused to do so, and was martyred. Uh, however, that's not the story of the of the dragon. The dragon is connected to a story where there was a city in uh, Libya that was under the the terror. Of a um, of a dragon who would come and, and they would offer the dragon sheep um, to um, to have the dragon you know go away and not destroy them. Well, eventually sheep weren't enough, and so then the city started offering the dragon human lives in sacrifice until it was the king of the cities uh, or the ruler of the city's daughter that was chosen. And no one would take the daughter's place. And then St. George showed up and killed the dragon. 
was offered a reward. He turned it down, and um, and then people were baptized and became Christian as a result of his example. But for me, I, I think about this, and it's St. George was willing to step up and fight against a monstrous enemy that is dev- devastating the lives of the people who are freely giving more and more to that terror to ward off the danger and even willing to sacrifice human lives. And we could probably quickly identify several um, dragons that are today pressing in on the lives of our community. And we willingly feed it from our livelihood, and we even willingly allow the sacrifice of our own kids. Boy, that doesn't that sound like really dramatic? Boy, doesn't it, huh? Well, what about the slaughter of the innocence that's happening in public schools with transgender ideology? When you have that gender ideology being taught and formed in kids, it's devastating. It's devastating the lives of kids. It's destroying them. Where's the St. George today who's going to stand up and battle? What about abortion, of course, where there's the slaughter of the innocent babies in the wombs of of their mothers? And where's the St. George today to stand up to slaughter that dragon? Um, We could go on and on and on. What about just, again, the the blasphemies against the holy name of God, the holy name of Jesus? Um, What about the lack of... Um, the lack of, uh, uh, of acknowledgement of the, the, the reality of God, the fact that this is, uh, this is uh, a world created by God. Um, and so we could, we, it, the point is, we need more St. George's. And this is a moment for St. George. So I felt particularly uh, encouraged that um, when I hit that name generator, the name St. George showed up, and for me, it was, a, it was a blessing. It was like, okay, I've got an intercessor who is a warrior in heaven who stood up to the dragons in his day and was willing to be martyred rather than deny his faith um, even when the powers of the day uh, challenged him to do that and he lost his life instead. I, we need more St. George's. Who's going to sign up? Who's going to say yes? Well, I want St. George to be praying for me. So I feel like uh, St. George is on assignment at least I'm part of his assignment for 2022. So St. George, I'll be calling on you every single day. So I got Padre Pio. I got St. George. I got St. Claude de la Colombière from Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. And I got St. John of the Cross from the Ascent of Mount Carmel. Man, I got an army with me. This is going to be an amazing year. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. So, you know, this Saints Name Generator thing that I mentioned, saintsnamegenerator.com, saintsnamegenerator.com, just Google it, you can get to it. It's super simple. But if you're going to do it, uh, create a context of prayer, right? Get a context, get the family together. So we're going to do this actually tonight. This is a, I'm talking with you, it's Monday evening. So we're going to have a family get together before everyone gets back to school and gets rolling with things. And as part of our family prayer, we'll say a prayer and say, Lord, who is the saint you have assigned to us? Lord, what are you doing in our lives as we move back into 2022? Please, Lord, give us a saint to accompany us. And, um, and so we'll pray together as a family and then have each of them 
um, go around and hit the button and come up with their saint. And so I, I love that idea of drawing a greater connection between heaven and earth, drawing a more intimate connection between heaven and earth for each of my kids so that they would know they're not alone. They would know they are not alone, but they have, um, they have a, a beautiful sense of, of that the Lord is with them and that they are being given um, saints in heaven who see them and who will be accompanying them. So the more that we can do that, the better. Okay, so in the, in the remaining time that I have in the program today, I wanna, I'm going to share with you just a couple of like, foundational insights about the Ascent of Mount Carmel. So the Ascent of Mount Carmel, you can get it as a standalone book, but if you're going to do that, you might as well just go ahead and get the collected works of St. John of the Cross. It's um, the Institute of Carmelite Studies um, has uh, the collection of, of the writings of St. John of the Cross. Um, it, it's actually really helpful to have, if you're going to really dig into it, um, to have the collected writings, um, honestly, because, for instance, the Ascent of Mount Carmel is so deeply connected to the Dark Knight, which is another one of his famous writings, and then even um, a couple of other books, The Spiritual Canticle and The Living Flame of Love. It's, it's sort of like buying only volume one of the Lord of the Rings trilogy if you only read The Ascent of Mount Carmel. Not exactly, but it's, it, it, it has some. But in this one, you also get his letters, his poetry. Um, you get um, his maxims, which are all by themselves just wonderful, um, uh, wonderful uh, points of reflection for prayer if you're ever struggling um, like uh, with reading something. Um, in his minor works, there are a whole bunch of really powerful um, counsels. So for instance, I just opened one up. And here's one that is pertinent to today's theme. Remember always that everything that happens to you, whether prosperous or adverse, comes from God, so that you neither become puffed up in prosperity nor discouraged in adversity. Remember always that everything that happens to you, whether prosperous or adverse, comes from God so that you neither become puffed up in prosperity nor discouraged in adversity. Isn't that so relevant? Doesn't that happen? Happens to me. Puffed up in prosperity, discouraged in adversity, absolutely. So letting that truth be in our minds, the truth that Della Colombier, uh, St. Claude, um, put forward in Trustful Surrender is definitely reflected here. One more, because it's just right underneath it. Remember always that you came here for no other reason than to be a saint. Thus let nothing reign in your soul which does not lead you to sanctity. Now he's saying you came here. He's talking, of course, to his um, brothers or his sisters in the Carmelite community. right? If you have said yes to this call to consecrated life, to that vocation and that state in life, well, remember always that you came here for no other reason than to be a saint. Thus let nothing reign in your soul which does not lead you to sanctity. And, you know, that it doesn't mean that that doesn't apply to us in our own way, right? Remember that the Lord created you and planted you in this moment in history facing the circumstances and situations that you're facing for no other reason than for you to be a saint 
And so let nothing reign in your soul, which does not lead you to sanctity. Okay. Um, with that said, I want to get to just one insight to get us launched into the ascent of Mount Carmel. So uh, it's a, an introductory paragraph that is not on the first page. It's actually towards the end of the first chapter of the Ascent of Mount Carmel. But I found it to be the most helpful, like, single um, paragraph that summarizes or introduces the broader theme found in the Ascent of Mount Carmel. And it's this. He says that the dark night is a privation, right? So it's a lack it's a privation and purgation of all sensible apt appetites. That's a big deal. The, the, those are the desires, right? Those are the pulls. Those are the yearnings. Those are the longings. All sensible appetites. Okay, now he's going to, when you say sensible appetites, he's often going to connect these to the five senses, right? Sight, smell, so, uh, sound, taste, and touch. But those, those five senses connect us into the world, and when we get connected into the world, it's not just seeing beautiful things, hearing beautiful things, touching beautiful things, the soft things, et cetera, et cetera. No, it, it's through the senses we come into contact with the richness of the things of this world. So this dark night is a privation and a purgation. So there's a, there's a way in which our souls need to be purged and deprived of all sensible appetites for, and he l l identifies three things. For the external things of the world, the delights of the flesh, and the gratifications of the will. He uses those three intentionally. The external things of the world, the delights of the flesh, and the gratifications of the will. Okay, so what would be an example of a sensible appetite we have for the external things of the world. Well, what are external things in this world that we're drawn to? Easy peasy. Money, power, fame. Money, power, fame. The pull we have, the appetite we have for money. Hey, did you notice that Powerball is over 500 million? Did you get a ticket? Have you thought about getting tickets? Have you started to negotiate in your relationship with God, Lord? Lord, if I, it would be really helpful if I won that money. I won't tell anybody and I'll do all this good with it. <laughs> I just exposed myself because that was my conversation with God earlier today. I haven't bought the tickets, but I thought about it. I thought about running out to the store because I want to give God the chance to give me a chance to do a lot of good in this world. I even started laying out how many millions I'd give to, to, to the building of this church and millions to build the, the monastery over here and millions to help with this fundraising initiative. I was like, Lord, look at all that. I mean, who else, Lord? Who else is doing that right now? <laughs> and I won't even tell anybody. It won't change my life at all. Oh, man. So whether it's wealth or fame or power, those are things that we have this desire to get, desire to attain. And, um, and, and, and you could go further into it. I won't go much further into it. Just, just say one little point, and that is that these desires, these things of the world, when we, uh, when we pursue them, we discover that the more that we get of them, the hungrier we are, the more we desire even more of it. Do you ever have enough fame, money, or power, right? Power-hungry people, always more, always more. 
So the external things of the world. The second is the delights of the flesh. Now, the delights of the flesh could be, like, for instance, delicacies that you eat. But think of the word satisfaction. Think of the word pleasure. And I would even say, most of all, think of the word comfort. Right? So the delights of the flesh are those things that make our bodily life really comfortable, really satisfying, really pleasurable. And so we pursue those things. We pursue the ease and the comfort, the satisfying, the, the, the delicacies, the, the things that are, are uh, pleasurable. And then lastly, the gratifications of the will. Ooh, that one's a painful one. The gratifications of the will are what? Well, the will is the rational appetite. So what is it that we think about? Well, we think about in our minds the ways in which we ought to be acknowledged. I'm right. You're wrong. We think about uh, uh, ways in which we want to be first, uh, where um, we want to be noticed, where we're jealous of what do they have. We can get angry. We can become slothful. We become sad (laughs) that we don't get more of the things that we want instead of having to pursue God. So there's so many ways that the will can be ordered towards things that are not God. And so things that make us proud, condescending, arrogant, stubborn, angry, jealous, envious, etc. And what is the dark night meant to do? Well, it's meant to deprive us of those things and purge us of those things. And it's only when those appetites were stilled and put to sleep that the soul is awakened and able to pursue God. That's just one sentence from the Ascent of Mount Carmel. Tomorrow we'll go further in. Well, and I'll, I'll begin with that one sentence and then build off of it to give an overview of the incredible riches of the Ascent of Mount Carmel. I hope this was a blessing. God bless your day. Join me tomorrow for more Sound Insight.